All right, good morning, good morning, hello, and welcome to The Coach's Corner, brought to you by the Endurance Lab, where you can join the coaches live and unscripted as we recap the week and answer your questions from the forum. My name's Jason Flores, one of your Endurance Lab coaches, and I'm joined by Taya Fried said, look, I got the point right, Ian Murray and Mitch Dangerman down below me. Um, we're missing Andrea today, we, hope, we wish her well, and we will see her next week. Good morning, coaches. Hey, good, good morning. morning. We've had a lively, lively conversation before. Should have hit record five minutes before this, but you know what? We're just going to jump straight into the fire um, and we're going to throw it at us. So we've got a lot of hot topics here in the lab. We've had a really crazy week. If you missed last week's um, kind of endurance weekend, it was an awesome weekend. Um, and I'm just going to throw it off to Ian to start it off and give us a little bit of Kona recap. Real brief, we've got a couple things that we're going to lay out over the next week or two. We've got a couple surprises for you listeners out there if everything works out. Um, but let's just get a little bit of recap because I know everyone's still buzzing off of last week's Kona Ironman race. Oh, yeah, yeah Jason. So uh, there you go. Good morning, everybody. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, yeah, we had a, a good little discussion about it, and, and it was fun actually during the uh, during the race. As Mitch and I and Andrew were watching, we had our newbies uh, Jason and Taya on for uh, getting some what's up. <laughs> Chat I mean, going back and forth. I'll say I've never actually mowed the lawn and streamed Kona in my life, and I think I'm probably like one of like five people in the world who did that. But uh, it was right. compelling. I sat, I sat on the lazy boy for almost all of it, having to get off to go to the grocery store for like one hour, which yeah, it was a critical hour. Yeah, right? we only had we only had what 15 <laughs> messages coming in through every three minutes. Yeah, something like that. But anyway, so one of the things we want to talk about real quick um, for those of you who didn't get to watch it, the weather was just completely crazy in Kona this uh, this year. Like there was no wind, there was no heat, there was no humidity, there was partly cloudy. Um, and look, it's it's hot because it's still Hawaii, but we're talking low 80s, not high 90s. Yeah. Uh, and the winds were under 10 miles an hour. Um, it was like the perfect conditions, the best conditions you could ever hope for. And let me tell you, the athletes took advantage of it. Um, but one of the big things that we noticed, and we discussed this on our chat, was the discussion about why the the Uber bikers couldn't get away. Um, and the reason was they really need that hard wind in them because they're just so much stronger and it helps break up those crosswinds, help break up any chase. Um, and so they were unable to get an advantage due to that. Uh, and that, and that, that showed in the end as uh, Cameron Work broke the record again for the bike course. And then Sebastian Lange, who sat at the back of a train that his teammate may or may not have been working for him at the front, um, just absolutely told everybody that's nice you guys have really pretty swims and bikes but watch this yeah. um and crushed the marathon um i mean he looked after about my before mile five he looked kind of kind of rough but after about mile five it was just like he was out for a sunday jog i, I expected to see his maybe pushing a stroller or a dog with him or something because he was just cruising at 557 557 <laughs> but yeah he absolutely destroyed everybody and he ran away and not only did he set the course record again, he went under eight hours and did yep. it in 7.52 and change. And that was with a, a – he probably could have gone about 45 seconds faster had he not taken time to celebrate and finish or shoot. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he just absolutely destroyed everybody. And then second and third place also broke the course record. Yeah. Second place also broke eight hours. Third place was just under 8.01. I mean, how – how bad do you have to feel? You broke the course record, you went under eight hours, and you didn't win. Yeah. Um, you know, and overall, it was just a, it was a, a pretty fantastic day on the men's side. And the women, 
Lucy the, the, the women's was even more impressive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, so it was actually the best part of the men's race was the uh, the fight for fourth place, um, third, fourth, fifth, with Tim O'Donnell, um, McNamee, and um, Braden Curry. And uh, if you didn't get to see it, Tim O'Donnell came across the finish line and collapsed pretty much. He had to be carted <laughs> off to the medical tent as he was cramping up. Um, but so the women's race, then Lucy Charles shot off the front with the intent of bringing someone with her, and she just swam away. Yeah, and I mean, it literally swam away. I mean, there was like nobody anywhere yeah. near her. Yeah, and and she was absolutely destroying it. Stayed away until about a mile 105 on the bike when Danielle Re Danielle Reef just was on her motor, which who by the way got stung by jellyfish right before the race, and did the did the race with jelly bites or jellyfish stings, and came back on the bike after kind of catching back up, motored through everybody, and just said, yep. You know, it's amazing. And she's, of course, very, very experienced, right? And she, this right. is her fourth win in a row. But the fact that she made a decision right there and then that she was going to do it. Yeah. She was, it was, yeah. she got stung, her arms went numb, and she's like, you know what, but I'm going to do it. And that's mm -hmm. the decision she made. And she, she just, you never know. And it's not over until it's over. And she, I mean, that was amazing, amazing performance. Yeah, I think she was yeah. nine, nine and change down when she came out of the water. Um, and I think um, yeah. a, at one point in the bike, she was over 10 minutes down. It, yeah, she started the bike a little slow. And I think she had a, a you know, whether religious or not, I think I like a come to Jesus moment somewhere in there. But I think her last 70 kilometers, I think I, I posted that up the other day. I mean, it was what well, she was like the fourth or fifth fastest last 70 kilometers on the bike. So, I don't like men and women. Like that, yeah. I mean, it was just insane. Yeah. And, she, and she passed Lucy and, and just kept going. And I mean, and then there was no doubt. I mean, Lucy uh, like hung for like about what about two minutes on the run and uh then the gap just started opening and it just kept going yeah and she just looked great the whole day and ran away with it and but what was great was again you know the battles for first and second that was done early but the battles for third fourth fifth um was pretty impressive and rennie uh rennie carper came off came out of the swim pretty far back came up to the bike on 14 at 14 and then ran her way up to fifth place um with a pretty good, and she's just a year off from having a kid, so yeah. that's pretty impressive. That's um, it's crazy how the how um, I guess how stratified or how you can come out, you know, mid not I'm going to say mid pack, but like fifteenth, twentieth, whatever, and find riders just f make their way towards the front of it, towards the run. Like you know, it's like totally, it has to be totally calculated, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Rennie did a, like a fifty-eight minute swim, so she's not a great swimmer. Caught up on the bike, she's been working on her bike quite a bit, but then everybody knows. She's such a strong runner that it, it, and it has to be demoralizing because you just hear that gap getting smaller and smaller. Right. She just runs you down. But Sarah True, the American yeah. who held on for fourth place, um, you know, did a really good job too. I think she passed out at the finish line wow. too. Yeah, she after, was in third. Wasn't she, she in third place for a while? Yeah. yeah. And then she, she, she was just dying. Um, Annie Hoag, Hoag came up, and I never forgot she was going to be racing. She's another strong runner. But um, they, they again, they worked their way through the field too. And, she uh, and she looks good, like she was suffering day. through that last, I think it was one of the rest stops or the, mm -hmm. you know, where they take hydration, uh, the stations. And uh, she looked pretty beat up there. Yeah, no, she did. She was um, she was hurting a little bit. Um, she had to walk in the last aid stations. But, huh. she, yeah, she did a good job. And once she realized Rennie was closing on her, too, though, she picked it back up. Yeah. Do they um, do they put gaps out like the way they do for um, like road races and things like that? So when there's a chase, um, is there a is there a motor saying like, hey, this is it, the gaps five minutes or whatever it may be? They do for the leader and gotcha. for second place. Gotcha. They tell them there's a, a moto with a board on it. But mm -hmm. um, the other big one we talked about last week was Lionel Sanders. And we've talked about him a number of times. 
Um, he blew up. He finished 24th, I believe, or 28th, had a rough day. Um, and he just uh, put out on YouTube last night his takeaways from the race. And one of the interesting things with Lionel is he doesn't have a coach. He's one of the few pros without a coach. Um, and he's worked with one swim coach before who was kind of his triathlon advisor, but he cut ties with him after about six months and after making huge strides in the swim. But if you watch Lionel's uh, YouTube channel this year, he's he's been all about change. But he even admitted to, on his uh, latest post that his change hasn't been data-driven. It's been gut-driven. And uh, I think we all know that <laughs> gut-driven is not necessarily the best way to make decisions, like, maybe with your nutrition, but uh, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you can't take it. But um, it, it was very interesting because he was making progress in the swim, and then he, which is his weak point, and then walked away from the guy who was a, a very knowledgeable swim coach. Um, his bike, he, he admitted he'd done two, he, he was in one position going into Santa Rosa, uh, this, this, uh, spring didn't like how he got crushed by Jan Perdano. So he changed it, but neither of them were changes with a bike fitter or a wind tunnel. Um, they were just him changing his setup. Um, so there's no data backing up what he was doing. Um, and then nutrition wise, he went from normal food to vegetarian, to no meat, to vegan, um, over this year and obviously it's had changes and he hasn't really given his body a chance to adapt to any of the nutritional changes he's made um and again and without also, a nutritional coach either right <laughs> so just like, just sort of like, like you know i'm just gonna make all these changes and see what happens yeah yeah it's, and he lone wolfs his training too so he doesn't train with anybody um but he recently did and he's realized that that's been a limiting factor so he's going to start trying to train he may move out of canada and move somewhere where there's more triathletes uh, I mean, there's got to be there's got to be a little bit like operating on yourself, right? Why would you operate on yourself? Wouldn't you hire a doctor to do it? So it's just. Yeah, but but hey, if you have no training, it's much better. <laughs> I mean, if you operate on yourself regularly, you get better at it. Right. I guess. <laughs> so so I think the key then though is going to be does he does does he grow and and learn right? I mean, he he has I think. You know, over the last couple of years, he's. He's he's improved and he's he's grown in different directions and and I think he is probably one of these guys who has to kind of you know experience it and experience the failure and, and then move on and so I mean it'd be interesting to see what next season holds for him. Yeah. Yeah, and the reason I really wanted to bring him in is you know we have a lot of people out there who either they don't use a coach or they don't have any coaching background um, and they they tend to make decisions that aren't based on data or fact. Um, they. They tend to think that they just know better because it's themselves. And I will tell you, you tend to overestimate yourself um, significantly uh, when you're making these plans. Or you you oftentimes misread what your body is telling you because the, there's actually going to be some scientific data that says, hey, this is not good for your body, um, whether it's your training or your nutrition yeah. or you're missing something. Yeah. But you may, attribute, you may attribute the fatigue to your training and it's really a vitamin deficiency or a nutritional deficiency. Exactly. Um, or you're cramping, you maybe attribute to your nutrition. It's really because you're an idiot and you're, you're, you know, running in a sauna for three hours a day, you know? So this is one of the reasons why having, even if you don't have a coach, but having someone, you know, brain check what you're doing. And, and we yeah. do this all the time in our, mm -hmm. in our chat. So, hey, this is, I'm thinking, what do you guys think? Or, Hey, I got my CTL up to 115. Awesome. And then I get the barrage of, wow, you're stupid. Yeah. Um, you know, type, type comments, but, uh, no, but you have to do that, and, and the difference is, and Lionel admitted he hasn't listened well when he's been coached, and he admits he needs to change that. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens with him, but I just take that in. It's people need to 
learn from him. And he's going to document the whole next year or two and how he, he tries to change. Um, so he's going to be transparent with it. I just encourage people to, to just kind of take a look at what they're doing and say, hey, am I, am I going Lionel or am I going Frodo? <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it. I like it. You know, it, it, is, yeah. it is something that, um, you know, with this race and as the year has gone on um, and seen some of the media for it, it's changed from a, a very quiet um, kind of secluded thing where you go and you take your journey and really it's just stories and maybe some media that comes out, you know, months later. But now it's, you know, it's live stream on Facebook. It's, you know, Instagram posts constantly from the athletes. It's media, it's tweets, it's all kinds of stuff where it's now being so much more publicized than it was even just a couple years back, you know? So it's just, it's just changing the game for these athletes because they're no longer just trying to, you know, swim, bike, run and, you know, eat and recover. They've got to like make sure they manage, you know, their, their 140 characters at a time, what they're putting out there, you know? It's, it's nuts. Yeah, it sounds like Jason's excited about this and wants to be into it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh no, no. <laughs> Jason, don't leave me alone in the cycling world. Uh, yeah, I, I heard you know, it. <laughs> so the last thing I want to talk about Kona is we have a preview. Yeah. This is a uh, next week we're going to have a special guest on for a yeah. brief period of time. Um, and uh, Andrea knows this guy a little bit. A little bit. Garen. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah, he happened to go top 10 in his age group in Kona and had a great, awesome. day. Um, great day. He's got some unique takes on it. And, and look, I'll tell you, anyone who goes top 10 in their age group in Kona, that's a great day. Because no. um, I would say top 10, he wasn't far off from top five. Mm -mm. And it just boils down to a couple things that could have changed how he did it. And uh, he's going to have an interesting take about drafting and about how people enhance their training, possibly. Yeah. Uh, or enhance their, their race day outcome, we'll call it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it'll be, a good, it'll be a good discussion. I look forward to talking to Garen and, and sharing his, uh, in his experience a little bit. Absolutely. So listeners, that's right. Um, don't forget to tune in. So we've talked a lot about the pro race. We're going to have one of our um, the top age groupers um, from Kona here with us to talk to us about kind of what's happening kind of in that. From what I understand, it, there was a lot of finger throwing in the draft and in the swim. So we'll have to hear stories and we've got lots and the of bike. Yeah. And the bike, man, I can't, I can't imagine. But uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear those stories. So great. Great recap there um, from Kona. Um, so lots of uh, great information there. We're going to swift gears a little bit. Um, we want to chat a little bit about um, workouts um, and when do you work out and kind of the adv advantages to one or the other. So I'm just going to jump around. I'll start with Taya over here over my shoulder. Um, ask her when she uh, works out and kind of why and we'll kind of make our way around uh, the circle here. So I work out early morning, typically 5.36 a.m. my time. Um, it's, uh, my guarantee it's for two reasons. One, I like working out in the morning more than I do in the evening. And two, it's a guarantee that I will get the work done because if I let the day go, chances are at the end of the day with all of my commitments and family craziness, I won't be able to get to my workout. So early morning, I love to do it when everybody's asleep and the world is still kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah, nothing's happening out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, Ian, Ian, what's your what's your jam? Well, you know, it depends. Um, normally, I'm a work I'm early morning workout guy. Um, work schedule right now kind of makes it a little bit more conducive to afternoon workouts, which I don't really like as well. But I also say that um, it's getting cold here, so yeah. I will not be it is, it is not It is not getting cold there. Come on. <laughs> it was 56 this morning. Oh, oh Jesus! Oh, that's, that's one. like perfect. <laughs> Um, I wouldn't so be, I won't be using arm warmers for that. That's... Yeah, I had my jacket on this morning, knee warmers, uh, uh, full finger gloves. Sounds like um, California. But no, I, it, 
I, uh, no, it, it is. I, I won't be running in the morning much longer. Uh, most some of it's due to the dark, but some of it's just because I prefer to be comfortable. Um, but I'll, I usually get in the morning. If I, it's a chore because I got to get everything ready because yeah. when I, my schedule so tight in the morning, I got to work out and get going. I can't. I have yeah. no room for error. Yeah, and a lot of our athletes that did share their stories, you know, it took you know some thought beforehand. It's not like you're just waking up. So it's like you're going to sleep early. You're setting a time that you're waking up. You've got your kid out, your water, your fans figured out. Your, you know, for us that stream, the computers have got to be loaded up. You know, you've you've got this and that figured out so that when you get on, it's just let's go, load the workout from Training Peaks, you know, from the endurance lab, hopefully, and then boom, you're ready to go. Um, so, Mitch, um, morning or evening? Have you tried both, and which do you like? Yeah, so. I've gone all over the map. When I'm on my game, it's it's morning because of everything you guys are saying is it's you can block the time out. I've got a family, I've got a job, um, and you ensure it gets done. But I'm also realistic in that that doesn't always happen. And me getting to the pool in the morning when I'm actually <laughs> swimming is is nearly impossible, especially in the winter because it's just too darn cold and depressing. So I'll, I'll, I'll do lunch workouts where I go to the mm -hmm. pool. So I, I, I work close to home and the gym is really close to home. So I can actually swing by there, swim, uh, rinse off, and then come home and grab a, a sandwich and get back to work all within about an hour and a half. That's pretty um, good. That's I don't know. My, good. I don't know. Salad, Mitch. Maybe think of a salad once in a while. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, will that that that, I, I will say that I love evening runs when the weather is nice if it's cold um and i'm running outside i don't mind the morning uh, because the sun's coming up and it feels a little bit better but in the in the spring and summer and fall an evening run outdoors is almost like nirvana for me um especially if you if you cancel the music out and you just kind of enjoy the nighttime sounds mm -hmm. and you just run there's the rhythm of the road and the in the feet um the darkness um that's probably ideal for me yeah we, we've heard many of uh, lunch workouts from Mitch. It's uh, very envious for those that uh, work a full day or, and are too far away to be able to do that. Um, I, I just hope my boss doesn't see my Strava feed. <laughs> hey, let's share out the podcast with the boss. Yeah, there we go. There we go. So, yeah, so the conversation kind of went in a couple different ways. One is making sure that you're preparing yourself properly, um, both physically by getting rest, getting to sleep, you know, at the same time or at a decent time. Um, we've talked about using different alarms and understanding like your sleep cycles to make sure that you're getting enough rest and finding what um, that amount of time is for you. Um, working with circadian rhythms, a lot of time waking up in the morning, getting the right color light, bright blue colored mm -hmm. light can help wake yourself, wake yourself up as well as a workout um, energize the rest of the day. So a lot of times, you know, whether it is just a recovery workout or an endurance workout, that actually can play a pretty big role of just getting you going um, from day to day. Um, and looking at peak performance times um, was a little bit in the conversation where uh, riders may perform better um, morning or evening. But here's the thing, what you need to also think about is when your race or when your goal event is. If it is early in the morning, I mean, um, what was the gun time at um, Kona this year? Um, it's like 5 a.m.? 6.30 for the pros. So 6.30, um, those guys are getting up three or four hours beforehand. you got to make sure that you've got workouts and you've got the energy in you to do something in that hours between four and six to get ready and prepared. Um, if you're going to be racing, you know, age group 
um, road races that are in the middle of the day, you better make sure you're doing rides in the middle of the day to be able to do that sort of thing. So um, peak performance times and then also your specific um, race times uh, is, is important. Yeah, and midday compared to morning is not as far away as evening compared to morning, right? So when I went to CVR, for example, for the race out there, I even though it was European time, it was evening, and it's a long day. It was just completely different. The body just feels different. If you're so used to waking up and working out right after waking up in the morning, it just, uh, it's a big change. I do remember that you were going from the, the velodrome straight to sleep. And then back to the velodrome when you're in yeah. that year. It was nuts. I remember talking to you yeah. during that time. That was crazy. So, all right, excellent. If there's no, uh, nothing else to add there, guys? Nope. All right, look, we're gonna, let's um, slide on over since we're talking about kind of uh, um, different times to ride and different weather. And Ian is plagued with sub 60 degree weather. He wanted to talk about cold riding weather in his city at 56 degrees this morning. <laughs> Look, this is in anticipation of the colder weather this for is the right. rest of the people. Look, That's I, right. And I'll admit, I, I don't do cold weather. I uh, hate cold weather. I haven't lived in the cold weather since 2010. Wow. Um, I, I won't be living in the cold weather again for a while after this. So, um, But it's, uh, I, will, I will tell you that there's a distinct difference when you're riding, riding or even running in cold weather than when you're doing yeah. it in the heat. Um, one of the things to consider is, <clears throat> is how your body's going to react. So there's a difference of of how you're going to take energy in and, and, and Taylor was talking about that on the forum a little bit was you're going to probably burn more energy. Mm -hmm. Um, so you need to consume a little bit more and drink more because your sweat is, your sweat rate is not going to be as perceivable in the cold weather. But more importantly, I think one of the things people often forget about is the, is the gear that you need for cold weather riding. Um, you know, a couple of different things and one people often forget about is their knees. Uh, most people don't have a lot of fat on their knees. Um, so therefore, there's not a lot of heat retention in the in the knees uh, naturally. So you do need to keep them warm. So even if you're pedaling um, and you feel like you're pushing, your knees and the ligaments are can actually have some trouble with the cold weather, even if you're working. So the the general rule of thumb for I think Italians is 65. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, degrees cover your knees. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I think people up in uh, in Chicago, it's 55. Yeah. <laughs> to cover your knees? No, 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 no. That's more like 45, 50. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. I, I'm going to tell you this. If it's 55 or below, you should cover your knees. Um, yeah. Just, just even even if it's just at the start to to help get them warmed up and, and get going. But I, w I would say also if there's a windshield factor, you have to take that into account. Yeah. Secondly, full finger gloves. Full finger gloves are important as the temperatures drop, especially if you're going to be riding um, harder or there's a high wind. There are high winds because I can tell you, I did a race uh, in Texas one time. It was 38 degrees and rainy, <clears throat> and 30 miles into it, I could no longer reach for bottles and I could no longer grab my gels and I could barely break and shift. So it's pretty awesome. But the rain makes it worse too. You know, it's it's right. one thing to have yeah. that temperature and it's dry versus raining. Raining just makes it all colder i think because you're just yeah. wet and you're you're got the wind on you it's just hard well, the other part too i'll tell you is is from my experience in the army is that your fingertips right here especially if you're not using your hands a lot if you're just sitting on the hoods they're going to go numb and you won't even feel the fingertips so you're, oh. you're more likely to have some kind of cold weather damage to your fingertips um, for riding even if it's 45 50 degrees out due to that relative temperature or the wind going over them so if it's again, if it's getting below 50 degrees, get some full fingered gloves. Um, your your fingertips will, will will thank you for that later. And when you go back inside, 
and all of a sudden your fingertips start numbing and it hurts really, really bad when you put your hands underwater, you, you'll do that once. Wow. Um, so, thirdly, your ears. Your ears here don't do well in the cold either. And you're thinking, oh, well, I have a helmet on. Well, unless you're riding in a <laughs> downhill or motorcycle helmet, it's not covering your ears. I don't, I've heard that before. I'm like, you're an idiot. Your helmet comes to here. But anyway, <laughs> you don't want to put some kind of hat. Um, and yeah. if you have a very ventilated helmet, I, I actually recommend wearing a beanie mm-hmm. and that covers your ears. If you have a very closed helmet, you can just get the ear warmers that I like to run in. Um, and that, that's going to help significantly because, again, your ears and your, are like your fingertips. You won't feel them go numb until they're, until they're thawing out or someone comes up and flicks you in the ear <laughs> because they see bright red ears. Depends on your friends. Yeah. Um, but those those are, are key things. And then you know you everyone knows if it's if your chest is cold, you're you're probably gonna get cold. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you're probably going to get a cold. Don't, um, don't so forget you, the shoe covers too. Oh yeah. yeah so okay, yeah, we'll talk that too. That's another. That's the number four is the uh, is your shoe covers, whether it's um, booties or 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 toe covers, depending on the weather. You, again, your toes are another one that are gonna go numb, just like your fingertips. And you can move your toes and you can feel like I'm doing some work, but trust me, the blood flow to your feet is not like the blood flow to your quads. It's not going to keep them warm. So those extremities, when your body's getting cold, well, the blood will flow away from the extremities. So you need to put on, like I said, either booties or, or toe covers, um, or you can get some cool socks that are oh, waterproof I, and waterproof. Right. The, uh, so speaking of the socks, you know, and then wool socks, they are amazing. Mm, You've got yeah. the thick wool socks. The advantage of that natural fiber, right? It will keep you warm, but it's also breathable. And if it, if the weather warms up a little bit, and you take your shoe covers off or your toe covers off, that those socks are not going to feel super hot either. So it's just right. it's just that natural fiber that works really well. Right. No, and it's great. Um, so those are the things you really need to protect, honestly, because you never know. You wear a jacket, you wear a vest, you wear arm warmers, whatnot, to keep your upper body warm. Because if you don't do that, you're definitely going to get sick. Um, or hypothermic, but it's those extremities that are really important because you won't notice them going numb. So you you might be sweating up here, um, but here is not going to sweat uh, like that in your in your toes and your ears. And if your ear sweats, okay, um, that's not then, then it's probably fine. But um, it, it is important. And the other thing I'll say is dressing in layers yeah. and dressing in wicking material at the base is really important because if you're wearing some kind of windbreaking vest or jacket that's going to retain some heat and you want that sweat that you are going to form away from your skin to the outer layers of your clothing to either evaporate or at least not cause extra cooling or fast cooling for you once you stop. So those are the key key things for riding in the cold um, as well as probably afterwards have some coffee or hot chocolate, maybe with a little Bailey's in it or something like that. Um, a nice warm stout, uh, you know, things like that after your, after your ride, um, a hot Danish. Uh, those are all important. But I, I, look. He meant a pastry, the, by the way. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, I, I've had the good fortune of not having to deal with this garbage of cold weather for a while. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to have to relearn it. But uh, that's something as we move forward into, into through October into the horrible months of November, December, January, February, March. <laughs> that you got to consider. Yeah, uh, fueling definitely is a key through here. Um, we touched on it at, at the beginning there, making sure you're getting the right amount of fuel. You can't, um, it's, it's less lenient, I guess. To, you can easily make mistakes, I guess is a good way to put it. Yeah. And not getting Especially enough hydration. fuel. Because mm-hmm, you, you won't feel thirsty. You won't feel like you want to put hydration. But you, if, again, 
making that plan, making sure you're getting the hydration you needed because you are sweating in this, what we call like this micro environment that you have um, under your, um, you know, your windproof vest, for example, you need to get that, um, that sweat moved and it, it will come out, but you need to make sure that you're replacing it. But yeah. Um, there was a comment here about um, cold weather racing and running and differences between the two. Um, coaches, you guys uh, are finding different for those that, uh, that do run. Um, you know, I can, I'm not a big fan of riding in cold weather. It's just the wind chill. It just gets too mm -hmm. darn cold. Mm -hmm. I've done mountain, I've done mountain biking in the middle of winter through snow and that's not a, too much of an issue. Cause I think the speeds are just that much less, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you, you get a little burst of speed, but you got a lot of, you know, more, uh, docile pace, I guess, but running, I've done running all the way down into single digits and below, mm -hmm. um, multiple layers of tights and, and jackets and, and gloves and, and hats. And it's, it's <laughs> it I like... mean, I, when, when the snot's freezing in your nose and, and you're oh, he's, he's it, like carrying double his body weight just and, is, and, it, and your hydration is frozen. I mean, <laughs> that's, but I mean, it's still okay. I mean, as long as the roads are clear and the sidewalks are clear, it's better than being indoors on a treadmill. That's interesting. But some of the same things. Some of the same things are true, though. Again, you know, if it's over, under fifty, under fifty-five degrees, put on some nice little fleece gloves. Yeah. yeah. Or your little ear beanie thing. Um, but I mean, those are the I, so important things to remember. But like the the Detroit uh, Marathon is this weekend, and um, I think the high is going to be at best fifty on Saturday, and I don't know what it is on Sunday. So at race time, it's going to be like probably 35 degrees i bet wow and mm -hmm. and so you know typically when i've done that race and it's a race and it's running um shorts uh a uh, short sleeve shirt or a sleeveless shirt with a uh, long sleeve throwaway so just a cotton shirt mm -hmm. that you're going to wear for about five miles and then or you're going to pitch warmers. it to the side and yep yeah. or arm warmers and a pair of gloves that you're going to take off because your hands are going to get too sweaty and you're going to shove them in your back pocket and um i mean you're fine once you get five, six miles into the race, you're, you're more than warm and, um, you got to warm up quickly when you're done, right? You, you get the solar blanket and, and you try to warm up, but, um, it's like 40 to 50 degrees is actually ideal running weather to me. That's interesting. Yeah. The big thing though is, is that having the ear protection in your fingers, um, yeah. protected and on that for the most part, I, I'll do the same thing as Mitch. I'll run colder races with either really light arm warmers on, but, but I have this technique that I use. I use this very, very expensive, um, pre-race jacket um, garbage it's a, the, you guys may have heard of it yeah the brand is called hefty 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 and oh my god i uh, i punch a hole for the head and i just put it over the top garbage bag and i i wear that because it does trap in the heat and you run around a little bit in it and it kind of creates its own microclimate in there like jason said and yeah yeah at the beginning of the race you just ditch it there you go there you and go then you learn you learn over time how you know if you run hot let's say for races and things like that cyclocross is a perfect example too it's short there's not a lot of wind and typically you're shivering at the beginning super cold but then once you get going it gets hot pretty quickly mm -hmm. yeah 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 so um pete donahue from uh the live stream here is this he likes to use thermal bibs indoors in the winter I don't know if he's working out <laughs> with the toys. Maybe he's, maybe he's in the shed. <laughs> I don't know. I get, you know, but we do have um, one of our writers, Andy. It, Andy Jenner. He it's it gets pretty cold in his little shed that he works out in, so it can get pretty cold. So some some things to think about. I guess that is a whole other thing. I don't think people keep their uh, their pain caves hopefully below sixty degrees, um, but I guess that can happen. <laughs> That'd be pretty you know, scary. Mine's... 
So, all right. So remember, protect those ears, protect those fingers, and protect those toes. All right, everybody. Uh, a couple tips there for cold riding weather. Um, we're going to switch, switch, uh, say it today, shift gears today to talking about how to get through tough races, rides, and workouts. We've always run, we have always run into those type of workouts and kind of mentally, physically, kind of what we need to break down. Um, Taya's got a couple tips here, and we're going to chat um, of what we can do to get through some of those workouts. Thanks, Jason. And before I even do that, I want to say one more thing about the cold weather that I forgot sure. to say. Sure. There is a rule of thumb that a lot of people follow and find useful, which is ride outside if the temperature is your age in degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> so that's typically the the temperature. If you think about it, if you, you laugh, Jason, if you think about it, that okay. is typically the, the temperature that you feel comfortable at. You know, some people are hardcore. Some people, there's, you know, some people are 60 years old and they will ride in 40 degree weather. Yeah. But you know, if you're 45, maybe 45 is your is your limit and how you know how low you're willing to go, or 50 degrees, or whatever your age is. So anyway, moving on. I like that. Um, I like that. <laughs> that's that's a horrible piece of advice. <laughs> it's not advice. I'm just saying that's some a rule of thumb that some people use. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> of course, obviously, I am comfortable then at 25 degrees. Oh, uh, obviously. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I just spit all over my screen. Uh, what we got? Um, <laughs> tips to get through your, your tough rides, workouts, and races. So a couple of things to keep in mind. And before we even, so this is, we're, you know where we're going with this, right? We're going into more of the mental skills side here but before we even get there if you're not well fueled before a very hard workout or a high intensity workout or a long ride whatever it is then there's no mental game that will help you you really need to get the basics so you'll make sure that you are well fueled you're going to need carbohydrates for the very high intensity workouts those vo2 workouts and even if it's a short one even if, if the workout says 55 minutes like we had one this week and uh, people are pretty quickly to acknowledge, yes, it was short, but boy, I was completely wiped out afterwards. So those require fueling. But let's break it into three parts here. The before, during, and, and after the workout, hard workout, or race. Before, whatever you tell yourself ahead of the start will likely be what happens. So... If you tell yourself, and this is going back to Daniela Reef when we we're saying uh, in Kona, right, when she got stung by the jellyfish, she made a decision right there. I'm going to be, I'm going to do, I'm going to finish this race. So whatever you tell yourself, if you go in already saying, oh, this workout is super hard. I'm not sure I can do it. I don't think I can do it. Well, chances are you're not going to do it. And that goes back to Henry Ford saying, right, whether you think you can or can't, you're right. So having that in your mind before you start. Use some visualization for the race. If you're doing a race, how you want it to go, picture yourself going through it and doing what the things that you want to do and all the training that you did and picture yourself being successful at whatever that means to you, right? And it doesn't necessarily mean being in a podium. Now, during the hard workout, and this is especially true if you're indoors because it's outdoors a little bit easier to have carrots, to have motivation, to have things to distract you that will make you work harder, but indoors, it's a little harder. Um, so your mind, remember that your mind can only focus on one thing at a time. So choose wisely what you want your mind to focus on and something positive that will help you get through it. 
if you think about giving up or repeating to yourself, I can't do this. Oh, I don't think I can do the next one. I don't think I can do the next one. Then again, you're setting yourself up for failure in a sense of you're not going to, you're going to have a really hard time doing it. Um, so if your mind can focus on only one thing at a time, then think positive and break it into chunks. Instead of looking at the whole workout or the whole event, just look at the next 10, it can be 10 minutes. It can be the next 10 seconds if it's a hard VO2 interval. And, there, and there's another another way to do that, Taya. Um, mm -hmm. Andy Jenner's release, from what I understand, he will come on and heckle the crap out of you if you're <laughs> missing. And so you can focus on your hatred for him. Yeah. And that will also help you get through your intervals. Yeah, yeah. But being task-oriented during the time of pain is helpful. Uh, so you don't think to yourself, oh, I, I, you know, I, I have a hundred more miles to go, or I have five more sets of intervals to do. You just think about the the one that you are on right now, and you just say to yourself, you know what, I'm gonna focus on my breathing for the next ten seconds. Or you look at a landmark on the road, or a landmark on Watopia if you're in Zwift, and you say, I'm just gonna get to that tree, and then from that tree you go on to the next step and the next step. So those things help because you're breaking it up and you're focusing your mind on positive things one at a time. And so other distractions might be, we talked about this before, thinking about your cadence. So if you're on a long ride, you have a ways to go, you can think about just focus on the cadence and the noise that you know your bike is making on the road and keeping that constant. Uh, or you can use the five, four, three, two, one technique, you know, the five name thing, name five things that you see name four things that you know are true, name three things that you feel, you know, and, and, and go on. And by the time you get to one, you're, you're out of your pain, let's say. So that's during. Um, afterwards, uh, you know, oh, and by the way, the goals, right? The goals for your workout or for the race should be along the lines of to be better than you were before. So right. a, a personal best. Right. It doesn't have to be power. It can be Oh, my, I, I want to improve my cadence today. Um, or I want to control how I transition from interval, you know, from the higher power to the lower power better. Uh, so those things are good goals to have in your workout. And, or standing, I want to stand 10 seconds longer this time for that 30 second that I have a hard time standing out, uh, out of the saddle for. So there are some tips um, for the during. I don't know if it, the coaches have any other comments yeah. before I move to the after. Yeah, I, I mean, mean uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes for me, even like uh, I think it was last week on Thursday, I was doing the uh, the group workout and I was tired and, and I didn't get enough sleep and and I really just wanted to mail it in. And I was I was uh, just dreading it. And but once I got on the bike and actually started cycling and, and just did it right, everything works out. So sometimes you just have this mental block where you, you don't think you can do it. But you just got to get pedaling and get going and, and just throw yourself into it. And you'll find that, you know, you've done the training. You've got the capability. You just need to go out and do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. You get the juices flowing. Once you get that, you get in it. Sometimes yeah. even changing into your kit will get you in the mood for, for the workout. Yeah. Yeah, changing it into your kit will get you in the mood for a lot of things. So you definitely use that tip. <laughs> What, what, what are you saying, Jason? <laughs> you just yeah. always have your kit ready. Always have your kit ready. <laughs> you never know. And it's such a good-looking kit if you're wearing the uh, ODZ, ODZ kit. kit. That, 
Trust me, you can wear it out to clubs to go dancing. Yeah. You can wear it out to fancy restaurants. Yeah. It works. It works. It works <laughs> everywhere. It'll get you into bars. It'll get you free drinks. It's an amazing, <laughs> amazing kit. <laughs> All right. So wrangling, uh, wrangling in here. Um, to speak about goals and stuff, uh, we a lot of times people have outcome goals. It's important to um, actually maybe shift that into whether it be skills-based goals um, or kind of small short-term goals uh, in order to reach those during your ride um, because a lot of those, whether it be data-driven or skill-driven, are things that um, depend on you versus what's happening in the race because there's things you can't control. So making sure that it's something that you can control, whether it be um, right. some skill you're trying to work on, some data number you're trying to use, those are things that you can control on your end. So I think that's just a good point there. But yeah. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, so then, then the after. Uh, once you're done, with your race, your workout, your event, you look at your file, right? If you upload it to a, a training tool such as Today's Plan, Training Peaks, analyze it, enter comments in there. That's important, especially when it's still fresh in your mind. As many comments as you can, because going back to that is helpful in the future. Um, and then let it go. And then move on. And then you're done. You don't need to be thinking about it on what went great, what didn't go great. No big attachments to it, you know, to the great result. Done, move on, tomorrow's another day. Yeah, comments, um, I, I feel um, our athletes using comments, whether it be to go somewhere to be able to chat and put comments down, I think are very, very useful to debrief for us as coaches to understand how they felt like the couple minutes after. And you're right, to look there and to analyze, that's something that we do for them or, or having someone there to look at afterwards. But the writers that I see like at the coffee shop that are like breaking down numbers and like they'll read off like, oh, at this hill, I'm like, so what does that mean to you? Like I'll literally like honestly ask them, so what does that mean that you put set this number at that place? And they're like, I don't know. I just like to look at numbers. <laughs> So Jason, you, you don't remember the 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 hour long discussion uh, on the kitchen table at Camp oh, West here on, oh, yeah. on CTL no. and TSS and, no. and NP and no, I believe that's when I uh, took off. And I was in the kitchen making rice cakes for the next day. I was like, this is it. I just need to make food for tomorrow. I can't. It, it was nuts. It was it would go straight into the middle of the night and we we're talking about what TSS we got. Like it was uh oh, so crazy. <laughs> Uh, it's funny though the comments are great so i use them with with my athletes that i coach <clears throat> and I'll, I'll get the comments of you know we're, we're two and a half weeks through a three three week build and like oh this workout was horrible my legs are dead Blah. and i'm like yeah i kind of expected that you're <laughs> mostly with your build or so i have a couple athletes that their first week after recovery week is garbage yeah usually you know it just takes them a while to get into it and I had one and uh, recently and she's like hey you know I, I feel like crap and blah blah, blah. i was like hey you know, we've, we've gone through this a couple of times and finally I was like, hey, I don't know if you look back at your comments, <laughs> but every time you finish up a recovery week, we pretty much have this about every every five or six weeks, you know, this happens. So it's completely yeah. normal. Don't worry. You're going to get through it. And sure enough, two days later, boom, awesome workout. Yeah. You know, the, the so it is one of those things. You just got to fire and forget. Yeah. And the higher your build, the, the more you're going to feel that when you come off. So like, you know, if you're building yeah. from, you know, kind of your, your regular level and you're, let's say 10 points, 15 points above your CTL and it's, you're trying to recover from that and come back, it is tough. And it's a mental, it's a mental um, struggle. Um, you may come off a hard weekend of, you know, three to five hours and you're trying to get back on for a recovery ride Monday or Tuesday and you're like, no, I can't do it, I can't do it. But really just putting your mind to and putting a plan for it, I think it, it can make it happen for a rider. So it, it, it's a good thing. 
Yeah, and that's why discipline on your on your workouts is very is very key. Mm-hmm. I've had some people where I, I try to explain to them, look, I, I understand you can go harder, but you don't want you to. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's a recovery ride that I want you to, and not, look, I'm bad about that. I, 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 I try to do my commute rides mostly as recovery rides, either, either VO2 or recovery. And, <laughs> the, and the, the commute, you mean? <laughs> my commute rides are either VO2 or recovery. It's 40 minutes of either just full And it, it's or, not his decision. It's his clock's decision. <laughs> how late he is. And the cars, well, I'd imagine. No, no, no. So mostly I'm actually riding on a bike path. Oh, uh, okay, okay. The Mount Vernon Trail here. Okay. And so... So yes, that does happen sometimes. It's the clock's decision, but more often than not, it's the is there meat on the road, uh, on the path? Is there prey? Uh, you know, so sometimes I just can't help myself, or I just can't let a guy who is sitting on my wheel either sit there or pass me because I look at him and go, "No, it's not going to happen today." Sorry, brother. And um, and so I'll just start drilling it, or you know, I, I've actually done some where I just decide, okay, I'm going to domestique for this guy, and I go to the front and I just start hammering it and tell him, "Hey, man, stick with me." And I'd tow him for, you know, four or five miles and had, what, listen to him, you know, breathe and, and wheeze and hurt like, a, you know, just stuff like a dog. But it helps me just pace myself on there or I may just want to punish somebody. Um, so it just depends on how I feel that day. Um, like today I was good. I, I did a nice, easy recovery ride in. That's because I really didn't see anybody on the trail. <laughs> That's really interesting. I can't imagine, you know, um, oh, Ian, you're, 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 um, I was going to say you're fully clothed on your, way, your ride, on your way to work, but like, are you kitted up? Like when you ride, what are you just kind of in, uh, like dress wear? No, I usually wear? have a kit. I oh, usually yeah. have a, yeah, I have a kit. Oh. I usually have a kit on with my backpack and a chain. Oh. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. My chains around my waist and yeah, it's because it's, again, it's, it's 15 K okay. to work. So, um, just for the sweat purposes yeah, and chafing sense. purposes, the kit's nicer. Yeah, absolutely. When it gets a little bit longer on that end. So great. All right. Was there anything else today that we want to bring as far as tips for your tough rides, races, and workouts? No, I think we covered everything. That was really good. I think it was a good way to bring things together. So if you have any extra tips, definitely drop them into um, the forum. You'll be able to find all of the things and the um, topics that we talked about in the uh, podcast today in the forum. So head to discuss.endurancelab.fit. All right, we're going to slide on over to this week in the lab. Um, we'll stay with Taya here. She's going to drop down our skills that we worked on for those riders that are riding the Ability Lab with us. And for those who haven't heard what our workouts are about, three of the workouts, um, what we worked on this week. And okay, so we started with Mix It Up, which, uh, as the name suggests, we mixed up threshold, VO2, and some tempo work. Yeah. And there was an unexpected VO2 set in the middle of that workout that mm-hmm. uh, people found pretty hard to do. But, you know, that was by design. It was it came in 30 minutes into the workout. Yeah. So your legs had done some work already. And so by the time you hit those VO2 intervals, you were not exactly fresh like you would for a normal VO2 only workout. Uh and then we worked on Stomp on This, which uh, was a uh, great workout with a lot of surging and um, holding a gap and changes in pace, which a lot of our riders really enjoyed. And then we closed the week with Power 60. 60 I don't being... Think, I don't think you use the same definition for enjoyed as most people. I think you <laughs> use my definition. Yeah, it... Yeah, so in power in power sixty is one of the workouts that I streamed um, this week, 
And as you notice, when, as we describe these workouts, um, they're very, very skills-based. And you'll hear this over and over again with the endurance lab workouts, where we're not just meeting wattage powers, we're mm. not just reaching, you know, working at threshold. We're trying to gain these skills both indoors or if you're doing them outdoors to be able to recover, to be able to do the things that you um, need to do at races in order to succeed. Um, so this is that next level, essentially. But and that's and that's what this last workout in power in power 60 did it's essentially recovering at a level where um you know you're, you're trying to recover at an effort at a tempo effort um and be able to repeat um a high level effort uh, again and one of the things during our streams that we ch uh, that i talk about especially um and i'm sure ian has recovered covered it at in skills and drills is sometimes when we create intervals it, or we do workouts there's a very hard effort and there's a full recovery but there's other workouts where there's a full effort and a recovery that may be at tempo and you're trying to train yourself and you need to respect those two. And when it's time to rest, you need to make sure you get down and rest and not try to reach this, you know, 55, 60%, whatever that number is, because is it's a number that we had to put in there, but you get the rest that you need to be able to perform that high level interval. But if in fact, it's something that you're trying to recover at, then you need to make sure that you respect that and you're following that and using that. Just yeah, and we covered that pretty well in the uh, videos explaining each of the workouts. So, and those videos yeah. are two, three minutes long mm -hmm. that we post to the forum. Yeah. So if you don't have the the habit of of listening to those, those are helpful in terms of yeah. really telling you how much you should recover in between, etc. Yeah. So over and over, you know, understanding what the goals of the workout mm -hmm. and what you're trying to get out of. Don't just blindly go in and load it, load whatever's on the menu of whatever you know hodgepodge mixed up workout is, and just hit the numbers. That's, you know, step one. A lot of you riders, you're way past that. So at this point, understanding and gaining those skills, that's what we want to, you know, put towards you. And that's helped with that mental focus that we we're talking about mm -hmm. ahead of time, you know, earlier in the podcast here. By doing that, you're already focusing yourself and setting yourself up mentally uh, for that workout. Absolutely. All right. So that's, those were our skills um, for this week. Um, so we're going to go ahead and slide on over to On the Horizon. For those in the Ability Lab, we looks like this week we've got um, a pretty heavy week and we've got a recovery week since we are doing two weeks on one week recovery. Um, we've got a recovery week coming up. But for those that ride the Endurance Lab, you know that that means that means skills and neuromuscular training goes up. Intensity may come down a little bit. So definitely look forward to that next week. Um, for the coaches, we'll do a quick round. Was there anything we wanted to add for this coming week coming up on the horizon? Nope. I think we're all sitting pretty, so we just need everyone to uh, keep at it. Yeah, really good conversation happen happening over at the Endurance Lab Forum. So definitely check that out <clears throat> as well as... Well, except for the beet juice one. Yeah, I saw that this morning when I woke up. We're going to have to get Ian to chug, um, to chug beet juice uh, before every ride at camp this year. <laughs> he has to try the capsules that I take. Yeah, those are just capsules. You can't even taste no. them. You said you can't do that and caffeine. You could do you could do caffeine and then do beet juice suppositories. <laughs> <laughs> I would have about the exact same taste. There you go. And with that, I want to thank everybody for joining us today in the Coach's Corner. But if it's your first time listening and would like to hear more content from the Endurance Lab, head over to your favorite podcast app and search the Endurance Lab or head over to YouTube and search the same. Don't forget, as my five-year-old, click subscribe. And for more information <laughs> when the next lab is, head over to endurancelab.fit where you can learn and you can join us to train smart and get results. We'll see everybody next week. We are out.